as we behold Him, resurrection life comes to us. How do we behold Him? Well, this morning we behold Him through our songs. We behold Him by being together as a faith community. This is beautiful. Just look around. Hearts hungry after Jesus. It takes time to come and sit and be together and see friendly faces. Being together in the presence of the Lord. That's how we behold Him. How do we behold Him? We behold Him through the Word. Hearing the Word. So Lord, I praise we behold You this morning. May that resurrection life come to each one of us. Lord, as the song said, I want to proclaim just what it said. There is healing and breakthrough when we behold you. So I pray this morning for healing and breakthrough, Father, as we behold you, Jesus. As we go into your word, Lord, let us see Jesus in front of us at all times. Like Patrick from Ireland prayed, Lord, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in front of me, Christ underneath me, Christ above me, Christ within me. Jesus, let us behold you in every aspect this morning. And as we open your word today, may your children behold your words and your life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Wonderful. It's my joy this morning to share the Word of God with you today. Before I get to what God wants to share with us today as a community, I want to first of all just welcome anyone who's with us. Um, if you are joining us today, we really pray that you would have a great time together of worship, that you already have, that you feel welcome, and that you would find what God has for you this morning in a powerful way. Uh, we'd love to meet you, so come and introduce yourself afterwards. Um, it's great to see some old faces back that haven't been back with us after a long season of um, irregularities and how we gathered and how we, we were church, but it's been awesome to plant here for the past few months, knowing that for the immediate future we can continue to meet here, and uh, we are really excited for what God is leading us into. This morning, we're starting a new series called Welcome to New. And more than a series, Welcome to New is going to be a journey over the next five Sundays where we as a community are going to walk through what we know God has called us to, that there's a new day, that there's a new call, that there's a higher call, that there's a deeper call, that there's a further call, that in the 18 years of every nation, some so west and what it's been, God has done amazing things, but last year he has declared a new day for this house and if some of you might notice, some might, but we changed our name to Every Nation Halderberg, and that's who we are today. But really this morning, before I get into anything practical about what new is, this morning is about one thing. And I want to say this from the get-go, that new is a person, and that person's name is Jesus. It would be a miss to try and lead this community to any form of newness, Unless we understand that newness is found in Christ. Over the years, there's been a massive cry for revival of late. And you know what are people looking for? They're looking for something new, something different. But even in the word revival, it speaks of reviving. It's returning to that which has always been new. And that new is a person. And his name is Jesus. Jesus. 
So this morning, as we open up the word, and I'm going to be sharing three stories, I want you to lean in, and I want you to welcome the new that Christ has for you. Before we do church, we have to be. Before we even lift a finger, we've got to understand our identity as sons and daughters of Christ who made us new. So let's pray together, and then let's hear what the Lord says to us from his word today. Jesus, I pray this morning that you would be so powerfully active through your word in every heart. May we not leave here thinking that new is a calendar date, that new is a vision, that new is an idea or even a name. It's all locked up in you, Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, as we go through your word, help me to lead us there this morning. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Three stories that I want to share with you this morning throughout my message. First one is about a man called John Wesley. You might have heard that name. It might have come up and uh, you're being around church or maybe reading about him. But John Wesley, and as we know him today, the father of Methodism, has got a fascinating story. He was ordained after studying at, at, at Oxford as a minister in the Church of England, and he's been doing fairly successful ministry. And then John Wesley found himself with a desire for new, and he got onto a mission ship. It was in 1736, actually on the 25th of February, on a Sunday, he got onto a mission ship to faraway lands, uh, he went to Savannah, Georgia in the USA to go and preach the gospel that he has studied about, that he has lived, that he has believed in to the people there. And on the ship with John Wesley and his brother and a few other Englishmen were a group of Germans that was also on mission to Savannah, Georgia to go and reach the people there with the gospel. And he's been studying the life of these Germans, and this group of Germans were known as the Moravians. Anyone heard about them? Now, the Moravians started out by being a small group of refugees from the Czech Republic who ended up in Germany. And what they found there in their community was a true sense of revival. And these guys lived their lives in utter, utter dependence on the Lord. And when I say that, I really mean that. It was written about the Moravians that when a child would die, the dad would stand next to the burial site with a smile on his face saying, that child is with God, praise the Lord. That's the dependence that these people lived with. So here's John Wesley, this minister from England on a ship, and he's interacting with the Moravians, but interestingly enough, they were holding these services on the ship. The Englishman never wanted to come to it. Um, but then, as they were crossing the Atlantic, the one day there was a massive storm, and it was a life-threatening storm. And everyone on the boat could sense, or on the ship could sense, that this is probably their last moment. John Wesley recalls that as the Englishmen were running around screaming and fearing for their lives, the Moravians were sitting down quietly singing praises to the Lord. And then afterwards, once the, the ship broke through the storm and there was life and light and the sun was shining and there was peace, he went, to, he went to the leadership of this group and he said, weren't you guys afraid? 
And their response was simply no, because we are found in Jesus. He says, but surely your children and wives must have been afraid. And he simply replied, no, we won't. We fear the Lord more than anything else that there is to fear. John Wesley ended up in Savannah, Georgia, with this group of Germans, as he calls them. Spent two years working with them, alongside him, and at the conclusion of that time, this is what he said. Now remember, we're talking about an Oxford graduate who has been an ordained minister and who was discipled by Susanna Wesley, his mom, which was known as a woman of the Lord, after spending two years with this group, he said this, I don't think I'm actually a Christian. I know all the doctrines. I believe it all. But I don't feel that assurance. Moravians everywhere I meet seem to have that. And I lack it. Isn't that profound? And he concluded this. He says, living faith was the one needful thing for me. Living faith. And I have not fixed my faith on its right object. I did not have faith through and in Christ. And he came to a moment in his life through this journey where he questioned the faith that he has lived up to this point. But we'll listen to the rest of the story in a little bit. The good news is that John Wesley in his desire for new has found that new is a person and his name is Jesus. So let's open up our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 5, where we're going to read a few verses together. It'll be up on the screen if you want to follow. And as we read, let the word minister to your heart. So Jesus is in this discourse with the Pharisees, having conversations about things. And we are in the last conversation here in this chapter. And then let's read together from verse 33. Now the Pharisees speaking. They said to him, the disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so did the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. But he also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, it will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. Unlike John Wesley, the Pharisees were also around a group of people that lived differently in their beliefs than them. They were observing these disciples of Jesus, just like John Wesley observed the Moravians, and they realized something is different. Something is new. But unlike John Wesley, they didn't take the effort 
to even try and look inward and into themselves and figure out what is amiss if I compare my religion to these people and how they live. In fact, they decided it's much better to challenge this way of life. How many times have I done that when someone has true, deep, and meaningful faith? And I say, yeah, we've, we've got to use common sense. <laughs> As if common sense is something that the Bible speaks about. In fact, these Pharisees were anti anything new that Jesus could have brought. They saw this new, but they didn't even mind to look into it. You see, Jesus at this point of time has brought a whole new covenant, a whole new way of life, a whole new existence, but these men in their religiosity could not see it and did not want it. They said, give us the old wine. The 2015 vintage is much better than the 2022. I've had that. I'm happy with that. I'm not even willing to try it anew. And when we read this, we find in their story three attitudes that we can compare the old with the new. The first one is this. The old examines Jesus, but the new enjoys him. The old examines Jesus, but the new enjoys him. So many times in my own life, I found myself examining more than enjoying. Last week, Matthew shared a powerful word, and he said some of us have even examined God to the point where we feel like he's got to prove himself to us. We'll see if this God and this Jesus will prove himself to me. See, the Hebrew culture over time has added these extra days of fasting. According to the Old Covenant and according to what Yahweh, the Lord of Israel, of the Hebrew people expected, was a singular day of fasting once a year on the Day of Atonement. But then these Hebrew laws that came and religion that came in place added more and more and more and more days. Human intervention to try and reach the Lord. And Jesus in their midst and he's his disciples are amongst him, and he uses beautiful relational language, speaking of himself as a bridegroom and saying, my guests are with me, and how sad would it be to be at a wedding feast, and they cannot eat. But they could not enjoy the new that Jesus has brought, because they fell into this life of examination. I will examine I've heard that many times too of people examining world religions. But that's the difference in what we believe as followers of Jesus. It's not about an examination, it's about enjoyment. It's about delight. It's not about duty. It's coming to the one that's brought his life to us. And like we sang this morning, your love is a wellspring with water that never runs dry. And we want to drink from that, Jesus. The Moravians live there. John Wesley realized he's missing this. And the Pharisees said, you know what? This is just not for us. But not just that. The second attitude that we find here is that the old adds to Jesus where the new accepts him. For the Hebrews in their culture, when God formed these people, he was very clear on what he expected from them. 
But over time, as a works-based relationship with the Lord does, they had to put in more effort to feel like they are making the cut. And today even, and not just in, in perhaps traditional senses of Christianity, but even in charismatic senses of, the, uh, of Christianity, we add to Jesus. We perform. We step into this thing of, I've got to do this and do that and stay awake so long and pray this and do that and do this move and do that thing and declare the scripture and do that. It's all great, but are we adding to the simplicity of a Jesus, a new who stands in front of us and he says, all I want is you to embrace me. All I want is you to accept me. This year as a church, as we embrace the new, it's not about doing more. It's about being more. It's not about performing more, singing louder, or having all these great expressions of ministry. No, it's simply about accepting Jesus just as he is and as he has come. You see, the general claim in church around the world is that Jesus is enough. But I've been burdened to see just how much we add to him. How hard it's made for congregations for people to feel like they don't make the cut. Just like these Pharisees said, you know what, Jesus, your disciples, they're not fasting enough. John's disciples, you know what, they're fasting some, but these guys that's hanging out with you, they're not even fasting at all. As if performance ever got anyone a ticket into the place of knowing Jesus. Where have you added? Your new that today might just be laying down some things that you've added and made more important than the simplicity of Christ Jesus. For John Wesley, he had all the reason to stand on all his intellectual ability. He had all the reason to stand on his studies and his theology. But he was lacking one thing. And that thing was faith in and through Jesus Christ. And I quote his own words. Jesus speaks to these Pharisees and he says, you know what? You've been so used to the old, you don't even want to try the new. Where's that been real for you? I've had to sit this week and say, Lord, where's that been real for me? Where have I formulated an idea of what the new is in Christ Jesus by just culture, by the world around me, by going to church and leaving church? by putting on a holy hat for a few hours and then taking it off. That's never how Jesus intended for us to live. And then thirdly, we see in the story of the Pharisees that the old tried to control Jesus, but the new gives control to him. Jesus speaks about a garment and a wineskin. And he says, if you put a new piece of garment on an, or cloth on an old garment, it's going to try and, and limit that thing until it tears. And in the same way, if you put fermenting wine in a dry old wineskin, what's going to happen? That thing is going to burst and the wine is going to be spilled. What Jesus was saying is, you know what, Pharisees, what you try to do is you want to remote control your religion. Some of us have been there over the past few years where I'm going to switch on church and if I don't like the music, I'm going to fast forward. And if I don't like the sermon and the kids are a little bit uncomfortable, you know what? Ah, let's just call it a day. He says, these wine skins that you carry, the idea of what I am and what I'm bringing and this new covenant is limiting. So let it run free. 
and creating yourself a space where the new wine of my love can come and live. So easily we fall in the same trap that we want to put controls on how Jesus would work in our lives or our communities. We have a daily choice. In fact, he's given us the beauty of free will. But in that free will, we get to choose him. Say, ah, Jesus, not now, not today. And before we embrace everything he has for us collectively as a house, we've got to make sure that we actually have given him all the control, that the ferment of the gospel can be amongst us, that the ferment of new life can be in this community, that the daily sense of... There's new wine coming and there's a new vintage and there's a new expectation could reside in each one of us. Last year, June, I was praying for the church and the Lord showed me a prophetic picture, one of the clearest ones I've had. And it was simply a picture of the Lord, Lord's hands on a wineskin and he was wringing it. And it wasn't a great picture to see because I knew that if the Lord is saying this, then surely we're going to enter a season where he's going to be working hard. It's like John 15. The father comes and because he loves us, he prunes us. So I submitted that thought before the word like we should with a prophetic image and wait for the Lord to bring, and bring confirmation and clarity. So a couple of days later, we had an elders get together and someone on the team said, this week I've been praying for the church and I saw the Lord breaking off old wood from a vineyard. And immediately I was reminded of the old wineskin. And then that Sunday night we actually had a worship moment together as a church at New Gen, if you guys remember. And a third person came to us afterwards and she said she had an image of the Lord untying the church like a hot air balloon with some things that's holding us back so that we could be set free and go where he wants to lead us. Three times in one week, the Lord clearly said, Pierre, I want to work a little bit deeper. But you know what it was? He was saying, I'm going to work the wineskin because I've got new wine to put in there. So if you've been feeling some working in your spiritual life, welcome to Every Nation Helderberg. <laughs> That's God. That's the Father. That's the Spirit. That's Jesus getting stuck into our lives because He loves us so much that He will not leave us where He has found us. That he will cut and he will mold and he will shape so that we become a wineskin that can hold the new that he has for us. Can we stop trying to control him? Can we stop trying to put our journey with Jesus into a little box of a Sunday morning? Can we fall in love with him so again that we'd say, Jesus, I give you all control over my life. The Pharisees could not do that. And he said, you know what? You like what you've tasted before. Jesus is ready to pour his best wine into this community. I believe it with my whole heart. And it starts simply with us today saying, Lord, we desire that. Back to John Wesley Two years and four months later, and you can, if you ever go read his journal entries, it's fascinating, this journey that he was on. Two, two years and two months later, he writes about this day, Wednesday the 24th of May, 
where since the beginning of the day, God was just trying to get his attention. He tells many stories of what happened in that day and that night, and I'm going to read the words this morning. He says, at about a quarter before nine, while the preacher was describing the change which God works in the heart through Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I knew then that I did trust in Christ, in Christ alone. It was a two-year and two-month journey for a supposed man of the Lord to get to that place where he tasted the new that Jesus Christ has brought. And then for John Wesley, from that moment, this was ringing true. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's where we live to embrace the new, in Christ. It doesn't say if anyone sings to Christ, if anyone attends the church of Christ, if anyone goes to a small group and talk about Christ. No, it says if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a what? A new creation. Are you living like a new creation? Are you waking up every morning and saying, Spirit of God, it is a new day. Create in me the newness that you have available for me. Are you living in the freedom of relationship with Jesus or have you found yourself trying to put a lid on this and keep it in? Have God done the deep work of his saving grace in you that when you step into sin, you make a quick decision to say, this is vile, this is wrong. Jesus, I'm running back to the cross. Have you felt that? Can you, like John Wesley, a religious man who preached the word, get to a place where you say, Lord, maybe, maybe I need to feel that warm sense of your love in my heart because I'm not just sure this morning that that's where I live. My prayer this week has been that some of you would respond to Jesus in a way like you've never done in your life. Well, you might have been brought up in church, and you know what? You've served. You've done your part, but it's all a wineskin. That's not ready to hold the wine of Jesus. If you are in Christ, it's a repositioning. It's your identity. It's stepping out of your old ways of thinking, of doing, of understanding, and placing yourself in Christ Jesus. When you are there, then we hold on to the promise that we are a new creation. We don't have to wait for the ultimate new creation of a new heaven and earth. We can live today as new creations in this life. The old is gone and the new has come. And everything in the enemy's domain and in the kingdom of darkness is against this thought. Weekly and daily. Everything in this world that is not from Jesus is against this living in the new creation that Christ has for us. So this is not just a once-off. It is a daily prayer. Teach me, Jesus, to be a wineskin that holds the wine that you have, which is new and fresh and tastes better than anything else in this world. You see, the crux of the whole story is this. The old says, do the news says, done. When he died on the cross, he took away our performance. He took away our works. In fact, the Bible calls our works filthy rags. 
We took away our efforts to be a Christian, to be a good Christian, to try. For John Wesley, that night after his journey, seeking Christ, a man that has led a congregation, the message over his life was, it is done. Jesus has done on the cross what no man can do in his own efforts. There's a new garment, there's new wine, there's a new creation available for every single one of us this morning. And when I say welcome to new, this will be at the center of who we are as a people. The new It's not a vision, it's not a plan, it's not groups, it's not future, the new is Jesus. And if we live there, whatever he says, we will do. And we will flow as wine into a community that is desperate to taste and see just how good the Lord is. Which brings me to my last story this morning. John chapter 3. Many of us know John chapter 3, verse 60. Can we say it together? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that, and so ever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. Do you know the story around when Jesus said that? I want to read it to us this morning. You don't have to follow, you can just listen. Just like John Wesley, a seemingly sorted out religious man, just like the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, those who are religious and positioned right in their religion, there was another story of another man, Nicodemus. And the story goes like this. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Old wine and new wine. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Unless one is regenerated in his spirit by accepting Jesus and proclaiming it through the baptism of water, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you not a teacher of Israel 
and yet you do not understand these things? Can I only imagine that the Moravians might have asked that question to Wesley? Dude, you're a preacher man, and you don't know these things. <laughs> truly, truly, I say to you, you, you speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus said the only one that can explain these things right now, it's me because I'm the Son of Man that's descended from heaven. No one has gone there to see these things. So what you see in the world around you is kind of helping you make up your mind. And then he speaks about Moses who lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so that the, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then, as Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, a seemingly sorted out religious man of faith, Jesus says this to him, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What was Jesus saying? He's explaining to him that you've got to be born again. The Spirit regenerates a man when that happens. You go through the baptism of water to identify with the fact that you have been born again. Just like a baby comes through water into this world, we as children of God go through water and we are a new being. But that is a spiritual being. Our bodies will look the same. We will think the same. We will have the same color hair. But our spirits are new. But then he says, you know what, Nicodemus? This message is not just for an elite man who's figured out the scriptures and who can teach us. This message is for whosoever believes. Whosoever believes, they will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. If you've been living under condemnation, this morning Jesus wants to say, done. If you've been feeling like you don't match up and you don't do enough, Jesus wants to say, I've done enough at the cross. He has come into this world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved. And then he speaks about the people who loves the darkness of the world rather than the light. I'm going to ask Helena to just join me on keys. Three stories this morning. See how they connect. John Wesley saw the new and everything in him wanted to not just examine it but experience it. And God was faithful. The Pharisees saw the new, but they tried to control it. They said, we don't prefer it. We don't like it. It's not for us. They challenged it. They examined it. And they were found lacking in the end. And then we read about Nicodemus, the elite amongst those group of teachers of the law. And Jesus has this beautiful discourse with him. But that story leads to a fourth story. And that's your story this morning. So when I say welcome to new, have you welcomed Christ? Have you? 
I remember growing up at the age of 18, grew up in church, did all the right things. I was Wifsian. That was my nickname. I wasn't the Wifsian. I was called Wifsian because I did everything a Wifsian should do. <laughs> Never the crazy, weird, whack, immoral and silly stuff that kids get into. Living right. By all means, if Jesus would have come back, I would have stood in front of him and said, hey, pretty clean guy. I think there's a space in heaven for me. But at the age of 18, it was a moment that I can identify with what God has done in Wesley's life. There's something in my heart told me. The new has come. The new has come. And I believe this morning that's what Christ wants to do for us. Maybe you find yourself like a Pharisee. You've just examined Jesus. But this morning, you want to take that step and say, Jesus, I want to enjoy you. I want to fully enjoy you. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. You've ticked all your boxes. But the one box you've been leaving off to be water baptized, fully embracing the new, taking that step to say, Christ, you said it. I want to live there. I want to be born again. You know what the beautiful thing is about the fourth story? I don't get to tell your story this morning. But with the invitation of Jesus and the leading of the Spirit, you have a decision to make this morning. Will you embrace the new? Maybe you had a fire once and that fire is cold. Maybe disillusionment and pain and challenge has extinguished it and you've tried out of your own strength to blow on it and bring life. But I believe this morning the Spirit of God and Jesus wants to come and blow fresh life into you. So what's the fourth story? If you had to go and retell my sermon this morning, what's the fourth story going to be for you that you will tell? Lord Jesus, I pray for your people this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would work according to your word in every heart that they might embrace the new that is in Christ. Lord, doesn't matter how long we have been a Christian, the new is available. You're inviting us into enjoyment and delight. You're inviting us into giving you full control. You're inviting us into the message of the cross that it is done. We don't have to try. We can just receive. So I pray, Jesus, will you come and minister to your children this morning? Let's close our eyes. I pray, Lord, as our eyes are closed, that people would respond.
If you are here this morning and you identify with the Pharisees, those that examine Jesus, but you have not made a decision to embrace the new ever in your life. If you are here this morning, can you just raise your hand and say, that's me? Just put it up and put it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray for these ones, Father. Thank you that you see into their hearts. Lord, and I pray in Jesus' name that according to your word, Lord, that you would reach out to them and that they would taste and feel inside of them by your spirits that it's a new day. If you've put up your hand, I want you to pray and follow my prayer this morning. The rest of the community will pray with you. Pray out loud. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. this morning, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that the cross says it is done. I give you my sin. I give you my shame. I give you my guilt. And I embrace your forgiveness. Forgive me, Jesus, for the many times I've chosen against you. But this morning, Jesus, I choose you. Come and make me new. I want to be a new creation. Thank you, Father. Secondly, if you've been around all along, like Mr. Wesley, you've got the accolades, but you can't testify to that fire in your heart, that warm feeling of Christ. Maybe you've had it once, but it has been lost. But you still do all the things, and you can even speak about the Bible and about the Word and about the Lord. So in human eyes, you're on a good track, but you know this morning, no, I'm not. And you want to return or accept the fullness of Christ this morning. Can you just put up your hand? Say, that's me. Just put it up high. Praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And then thirdly, if you have been a complete new creation, but the creation that we live in, which is so broken, has tainted it with so much, and you just say, Jesus, I want to be washed clean. I want to taste that newness that I had before when I chose you. Can you just put up your hand as well? Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask these last two groups to please stand? The rest of us remain seated. If you put up your hands in these last two groups, just stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that it's a new day. A complete and utter new day. I pray, Lord, may they sense 
by your spirit, just how you are working inside of them, Father. May they not hold back and try and control this moment, but may they completely give over control to you this morning, Jesus. Father, thank you that you see their hearts. You know their journey. You know their story, Father, but today it is a new chapter. You are turning the page by the power of your Spirit, and you will lead them on, Lord. And I pray that they would find that newness today, Lord, that they would feel the fire return to their souls in Jesus' name, that they would know, Lord, that you are the wind in their sails that will drive them on in walking out this journey with you, Father, that you are the sustaining power in their midst, that your Spirit empowers us, Jesus, and you have endowed us from heaven with every spiritual blessing, Father. Everything we need is found in you, Jesus. So I pray, Lord, deposit that this morning into these hearts. Thank you, Lord, that he who is in Christ is a new creation, that the old is gone and the new has come. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus Christ. Can we all stand for a moment? Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand in a manner of receiving from the Lord this morning? Lord Jesus, we thank you that the new is you. Lord, we might have come here with a different expectation, a grand vision, a good idea. But all of those, Father, fall away in the light of you. Jesus, I pray that as a house, we would live like this, daily receiving the new. That we would wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I want to live as a new creation. That we'd go to bed at night and say, thank you, Jesus, I lived as a new creation. But you know what, Jesus, speak to me in my sleep because I'm a new creation and God is spirit and the spirit blows and the spirit works. So let my spirit connect with you tonight so that tomorrow morning I wake up, you and I can walk into this new life again. Teach us, Jesus, how to enjoy you. How to enjoy you again. Just enjoy you. The simplicity of a love relationship with our Savior. We desire it this morning. Jesus, forgive us for where we tried to control you and our faith. Set us free from any control this morning. And we say, Jesus, we accept the fullness that you have for each one of us. Jesus, we are ready for the new wine. We are a ready wineskin, pliable in your hand to be formed so that you can bring the new wine that you have for us in the seasons to come. Can we give God a cheer of praise this morning for his faithfulness? I really sense this as an important next step for many of you. Some of you ought to be baptized. Next week, there's an opportunity. After church, we're going to go down to one of the pools and we're going to be baptizing people. You've got to fully embrace this new. 
got to fully embrace what God has done and let the story of Nicodemus. And what we'll do is we'll send out a communication where you can respond and say, I want to be baptized. In fact, I'm going to stay right here. If that's you, come and tell me. Go tell Eugene. Go tell Dave. Just making it simple, three of us. I'm putting up my name. We'll communicate with you this week around the plans for that. We want to touch base with you. But I really sense this morning, there's just a call to go back to that newness, that simplicity of what Christ has done at the cross. And our baptism then identifies with that. So if that's you, don't delay. Next Sunday after church, there's an opportunity. And I bless you this morning with a great awareness of the newness that Christ has done. I bless you this morning with the constant regeneration work of the Spirit in your soul. And I bless you knowing that a good Father has got good gifts for you to walk and to live in this week. Amen.